0: I take my job seriously, I really do. I plan, I I seek God's face. And I know I don't do it as well as anybody else and lots of other people, but I want to do it the best I can for the glory of God. And that's what I'll try to do. Here in chapter 1 of the book of Romans, we're going to read three verses of Scripture, three of the most familiar probably that there is in the book of Romans. It is a testimony of the Apostle Paul. We're studying through this book in, in our a midweek services We know that it's a part of the Apostle Paul's Salutation that he begins In verse 1 We'll complete in verse 17 And Paul says this In verse 14 and following I am debtor both to the Greeks And to the barbarians Both to the wise And to the unwise So much as in me is I am ready to preach The gospel to you That are at Rome also For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let me read verse 17 to finish it up. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for the just shall live by faith. Father, I'm thankful this morning for the depths of my heart to have heard what I've heard this morning and felt what I've felt, God, when I've... Listen to people tell how a a little club, Lord, to deal with children has touched not only the little children, but the adults, Lord, that were teaching them, that were carrying Christ in their heart to, uh, to these little children, Lord, that many of them are abused, misunderstood, and all in need of the same thing we all are in need of and that's to know you as Christ as our Savior. Father we're thankful for the gospel and what it means it's the good news that Jesus can save anybody and everybody that will and I pray today if there be but just one lost among us God, that you would, Lord, just put the spotlight of heaven upon them. May even now they squirm in their seat, and may they realize that they've come to a place, Father, where they need to make a decision about Christ. Save not just one, but all that may be in here lost. Stir our hearts so that when we leave today, those of us that know you as our Savior, we can say truly it's been a good place to be. Use me, Lord, touch this lump of clay. Oh, how I need you. But you know that, God, and I'll praise you for it. Whatever you decide to do and however you decide to use me, I'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. For asking in that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior and all of God's people said. Paul said in verse 16, is a text verse, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to, unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm going to talk to you, and I mean briefly, friend, this morning about why the church must preach the gospel. We, we Listen, we, we may think that we have choices and options, but listen, what I'm going to say, if we're a church of Jesus Christ, If we're a church that's been purchased with His blood, empowered by His Spirit, entrusted by His Word, everything that we do and say uh, in the work of the Lord will be built around one primary thing, and that is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This church that um, that we're in, and I'm not talking about the building, the facility, but I'm talking about that entity that Jesus again purchased with his blood. it was built upon the foundational message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, and you know what it means the gospel friend is defined in first Corinthians chapter. 15 verses 3 and 4 And it is the death bear and the resurrection of Jesus Although I could turn and read it Although I think that I could quote it And Paul, it is of primary importance church was built. The church again that Jesus purchased with his blood, it was built upon that message. And friend, from that day to this it's the greatest message that's ever been preached and it is the main message that must be propagated from here on in. When Paul went to Corinth, a very wicked city, you know what he determined? He determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no greater message. There is no message that is ever new and yet it is old. The fact that Christ died for our sins. So sinner friend if you come in here and lost today God help you if you leave that way. In light of what Jesus did at Calvary. There's no reason for man, woman, boy or girl to die lost and to go to a devil's hell. He's made it simple friend. He's made it simple there's a multitude of reasons paul made this simple but amazing uh, statements and and the reason I say that again is friend in in essence you could tie the old testament together with the new and it is god has done that can i tell you the message the message of the word of god from beginning To end is the gospel. It's good news. It is that Jesus Christ, God's only begotten, one of a kind, unique son, saves from sin. He delivers. He'll take me. He'll take you. He'll take anybody. And he'll make you a new creature in Christ. He'll make you a fit subject for the kingdom of heaven. Boy, that's good news. Listen, the devil devil wants to rob you because he's a thief. He wants you to die lost because he's a murderer. Friend, if you go along in the darkness in the kingdom that you're already in, you didn't choose to get in that kingdom. You were born into that kingdom. Listen, friend. Dying on your deathbed, he'll sit on your uh, 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 on the end of your bed. I, I can't think of what's called, but he'll sit on the end of your bed. And when you're slipping out into a Christless eternity, he'll laugh you into the reeds, into the dam. But Jesus, God's son, came into this world, left the portals of glory, entered here through the stream of humanity, through a virgin's womb, lived among us, died for us buried and on the third and appointed morning came out from among the dead so that whosoever would could be saved I got good news for you this morning it's all of God good news you can be saved you can be saved you say preacher I won't be perfect after I'm saved nobody else is but thank God everybody that's saved has a perfect salvation And that's what matters I like what I, I, who was it that uh, who, who was it was you Who was it that asked him to hold up the cards? That was Heather. About what can separate you from the love of God. Aren't you glad that nothing can? Once you get in him, he's going to keep you. Do you hear me? He's going to keep you, friend. But I'll tell you what, it's got to be your decision. Jesus is a gentleman. He'll not not invade your heart. But I'll tell you what, he'll come and live in it if you'll just open the door. And say, come on in. The gospel, the gospel says in, in its most t- simple terms what we find in Luke 19 and 10 in that verse. I believe we have 16 words, are all single syllable words. And listen, it gives that great message of God Almighty when it says, uh, but, but uh, God stood for it. Well, Lord, have mercy. How many times I have quoted that verse. You know, this used to tear me up as a young preacher when that happened. And I began to realize I've got an enemy, the devil he's fighting, and I've got I've got the flesh that's getting older. Listen to what he says. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now you're wondering whether or not you're lost. Let me help you with this. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sin, if you've never asked Him to save you, that's you, friend. That means you're out of place. You're not where God wants you to be, not where you need to be, and really not where your heart tells you you ought to be. It means lost. You see, as the text says, Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel. And you say, how could he not be ashamed of the gospel? I'll tell you why, because he knew it personally. He met a man by the name of Jesus on the road to Damascus when he had hate in his heart, writs of uh, of, of a his pocket headed to Damascus to put anybody and everybody in jail that named the name of Jesus but this man Jesus at at, at the midday God in his way he held his hands out Paul saw the prince of the nails in his hands and he bowed and said Jesus what would you have me to do for you can I ask you friend if you're lost that's what you need to pray now I can, I can give you a lot of words to pray and by the way, there is no quote sinner's prayer in the Bible is a preacher. But we have kids to pray a prayer, don't we Judy? Steve the counselor, we lead them in a sinner's prayer. I've been so criticized for this, it's not funny. Well let me ask you something. How does somebody that doesn't know how to pray pray? How does something that's dead speak out? Look friend, it's not the words we say, but it's the desire of a heart that we express through the words and listen, you can say anything from God save me like Peter did when he was going down to Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I want you to listen. If you ask Jesus to save you, he'll save you. It's just that simple. The Bible says, now listen, here's why I don't mind to use the sinner's prayer. I've led a lot of people to the Lord by leading them in a sinner's prayer and I always tell them it's not what you say but it's what you mean in your heart. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So how shall they call unless they hear? Y'all with me? I'm going to keep doing it even though I'll be criticized, Continue. Can I tell you, friend, listen, the message is simple. This message is simple, why the church should preach the gospel. But listen, it's not my message that's important, but it's the message in the message. It is the message that I'm preaching that Jesus saved. Jesus saved. You have heard the gospel sound. Jesus saves. And He will. He'll do a good job at it too. So, what, what, why, why, why the church must preach the gospel? Number one, it's the only means of salvation. The gospel, friend, is the only means of salvation. You say, what do means? mean salvation? Salvation, I'll give you a T.K. Price definition of salvation. Salvation is a free and complete divine deliverance from impending from sin and all of its impending dangers, uh, both past, present, and future. You see what he mean, preacher? Hey, listen, today, sinner friend, you're living under the condemnation of God. Look, people think, when I die, God will decide whether I'm going to heaven or not. No, you decide on the top side of the grave. This side of eternity. This side of judgment. And and Listen. You you know what God will do? He'll deliver you, friend, from the penalty of sin. Because you that are already living under the condemnation of sin, you're not waiting to see whether God's going to send you to hell or allow you to go to heaven. He's already determined that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you die in your condition, you'll die lost. See what He'll do? He'll save you from the penalty of sin. April the 23rd, I'm coming up on the 49th birthday of this old man uh, in the Lord. And you know what? Bless God. I'm happy about it. That was the day he delivered me from dying lost and going to hell. And that's why I got saved. I didn't understand a lot about anything else, but I did understand two things. I knew I was lost. I knew if I died that way, I'd go to hell. But I heard the Holy Spirit within me because I'd heard preachers speak around me that all you got to do is trust Jesus and he'll save you and I'm glad I have and not only deliver you from the, uh, from the penalty of sin, but thank God in this life he'll deliver you from the power of it there's an old saying that says I'm not what it used to be I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I am what I am. And let me tell you what I am, 1 Corinthians 10, 15. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm saved and on my way to heaven, and the devil can't do anything about it. Not only deliver me from the power of sin, look, I don't do all the things I used to. I'm still a sinner. I still, I still mess up. I still sin. I don't call it messing up. I, I call it what it is. I'll even name the name of the sin when I go to God in prayer. But you know what? One of these days, that work of sanctification, that work of salvation that began April the 23rd, 1974, will find a date of completion. That'll be a day when I'm changed into His likeness. Philippians 1, where this old vile body is changed to where it's fashioned like into a glorious body of Jesus Christ. Hey, do you know what the Word of God says? I've been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And I can't wait till the day that that happens. Do you know what? Salvation is the only means whereby a man can be saved. Hey, look. There's not many ways to Christ, not many ways to heaven. They're just one. I don't care what Islam says, Buddha says. I don't care what uh, CNN says or anybody else, friend. Jesus said, I am the way. Number two, let me go on. And, And look, why should the church preach the gospel? Because of the message of the gospel. I've already told you, I'm going to repeat it. It's a message of deliverance or salvation to sinful men. And you say, preacher, I'm not a bad sinner. Well, I'll say thank God for you. If you die in that condition, it'll be better for you than it will at Charles Mansion. I mean, really. I mean, mean, look, friend, you preached that the other night, did you not, Joshua? I mean, I mean to tell you, listen, but, but you're a sinner. You say, but I'm not a bad sinner. No, but the Bible has said we've all sinned and come through the glory of God. The Bible, in the Bible you'll find a, a uh, doctrine known as the depravity of man. That doesn't mean that all men do as bad as they can. It does mean that all men are as bad off as they can be. And that means they're lost and undone and headed for a Christless eternity. Let me illustrate it like this. You say, Preacher, I still think I'm a pretty good man or woman. Well, I, I do too. If I'd meet you and know you, I'd have to tell you, I agree. You're, you're, you're full of integrity. You're, you've got good ethics. You're honest. But you know what I have to conclude? If you've not trusted Christ, you're still lost. See, if you go down to Keller's, and they've got three bodies in their cooler, wherever they keep them. And you know what? If one died last week and one died... Three days ago, and one died this morning at eight o'clock. Can I tell you what those cadavers are all? They are all dead. Now, they are indifferent, all right? They are in different phases of their corruption. Y'all hearing me? But they're all dead. One's not deader than the other because he's been dead a week and this guy's only died this morning. They're all dead and that's what the Word of God says. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the message of the gospel, friend, listen, is good news that God sent His Son to save sinners like me and you. Can I tell you what? None of us deserve to be saved. None of us deserve to be saved. I get tickled at people and they'll testify, and I love hearing people testify most of the time. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. You know what? They'll say, I didn't deserve to be saved. I want to stand up and say, Amen. None of us deserved it, but thank God we all need it, and God has made a way by which we can all be saved. Number three, what about the measure of the gospel? Preacher, it can save anybody and everybody but me. I've talked, I used to be a coal miner. I still am. I just don't don't work in that in that field anymore. Coal miner, always a coal miner, right? Simplify for the coal miner. No, I'm just kidding. I guess submarine to come take my left arm off of that. I mean, really, you you know you're a coal miner, you're a coal miner. I just don't don't do it anymore. And I've had I don't know how many of those guys, and some of them, some of them could be so ungodly, I'm telling you. If nothing else, you get underground, coal miners, they'll be honest. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different world when you get under like 2,000 feet of overburden. You'd be surprised what they'll be willing to talk to you about. They won't be willing to talk to you about in the sunshine. I'm telling you, it's amazing. And you know what? Some of them say, well, preacher, if I'd come to church, and you know they say this as a joke and whatnot. Somebody said it long ago, and somebody else repeats it. If I go to church, uh, the the rule." The real- in. I'm glad to tell you I know how this you're in good shape so come on down. Amen. Come on down. Hey listen, I know what they're saying. They're saying in essence, I can't be saved because I did this. I can't be saved because I've been there. I can't be saved because can I tell you friend, listen I'm about to get happy. It says, John did, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. There's no big and little that God can't cleanse. He won't miss a small one. It's not that he can't take care of a big one. He'll save you from all your sins. Now listen, let me tell you this. On the end that, what he will not do. He'll not save you in your sin. Let me read something to you. And I want to make sure I get it right. I think I quoted the book of Matthew chapter uh, 1 verse 21. I believe it is. But I believe I can quote it, but I want to make sure that I give get it right. Thou shalt, call, thou shalt bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now watch this. For he shall save his people from their sins. Listen to me. You're going to say, preacher, you're contradicting yourself. No, if you just listen to it. When you get saved, God will save you from your sins, not in them. You can't get saved and continue to live the old lifestyle you lived before you professed you got saved. I already told you you won't be perfect and you won't. I could could preach that out, teach that to you, let you know we have a propitiation at the right hand of the Father that's always making intercession for us because we always miss the mark. So if you claim to get saved, you continue in your drunkenness or your doping or your fornication or your lying, your cheating, whatever it may be, the list could go on and on. I would have a question if you got saved. Because salvation is a repentance. Not only is it a change of mind, that's where it starts, but it produces a change of lifestyle. And if your desires and your doing don't change when you got saved, I'll have to wonder if you got saved. Well, I hope I made that clear. God saves us from our sins. Nobody in here, that everybody in here is saved. Say amen. amen. Now listen to me closely, and I hope nobody says amen, because I've talked to you after church. All of you that just said amen, that you're saved, how many of you are perfect since you've been saved? Say amen. I rest my case. Jesus knew we wouldn't be. He's made ample provisions for that. But hear me, this isn't popular in this day. Jude said in the last days that there will be men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm glad that, listen, friend, the grace of God can go deeper than the sin that I have committed. He said, we're sinned at the bound. Grace doth much more about. But God's grace doesn't give me a license nor liberty to sin. In fact, when I get saved, though I do sin, I want to sin less. As every day goes by, as I get closer to Jesus. Well, I hope you understood that. Not only, listen, the message of the gospel, but how about the measure of it? I'll get this and then I'll go. That's what I've been trying to illustrate. I'll give it to you in John 3, 16. One little word most people never pay attention to. 25 words in that verse. I heard men... I've read after good men that say that it's just a this is their words, a fluke translation Then in the King James Bible, and that's the only Bible we use here with no apologies we make that statement, that Jesus that, that the word son is in the midst there's, tw- there's 14 words before the word son 14 followed, total of 25, well uh, there's 12 whatever, y'all, y'all count them my theology's good, my math's bad, alright, 12 and 12, right, 24 plus 1 makes 25, I did good in math in school 45 years ago, 50 years ago, but anyway, they, they know this, that is funny, I try so hard too, do you hear me, I mean I try so hard, but you read it, you look at it, you count the words. Five, a multiple of five. Five times 20, five is twenty-five. I do have that one, right? There's, d- listen, there's grace all over the place in John three sixteen. And he said, for God so loved the world. You know what that does? That word so brings together God and man. It brings together heaven and earth. It brings together eternity to eternity. Can I tell you, listen, friend, the measure gospel, if it reached to me it can reach to you it's gone into all the world actually, and I say glory to God, let me give you one more and I'll quit maybe two more what's the motivation of the gospel preacher? I'm going to tell you what, it comes from the heart of God, not from you before I was saved, I needed to be saved but can I tell you what, when when God looked at me, He didn't see any cause worthy in me for Him to decide to send His Son to die for you. In other words, I'm going to say it this way. I didn't deserve to be saved. I, I wasn't good enough to be saved. And really, when you think about it theologically, before people ever get saved, they've got to get bad enough to be saved. If you think you're a pretty good person, Or if, like, a fellow I just recently talked to on the phone, I I made a little witness to him, and I said, look, it's this and that, and you know what you need? You need Jesus. Well, he said, I'm working on it, or I'm doing pretty good. It's like maybe Greg said, and somebody said in the testimony, I'll tell you what, friend, we can never do good enough to merit God's graces and mercy. We've got to be bad enough to realize that we're lost and undone, but can I tell you what? You know what the motivation for God is to save us? It's His own love. I just quoted it to you, for God so loved the world. His love, friend, is unconditional. His love is a -a one-of-a-kind love. It's an endless love. It's a boundless love. it's It's a love that knows no limits. But wait just a minute. Two things. Number one, you can't keep God from loving you He'll love you all the way to the pits of hell. I mean, He just loved, you know why God loves us? Because God is love. That's one of the great characteristics of God. He is love. And I'll tell you what, you never have to fall under the power of His love. You can keep that umbrella up, you just like a sun shining, You can't keep the sun from shining, but you can do something to keep it off of you. You can deflect that love. You can reflect that love. But I'll tell you what, God's going to love you. God's going to love you. It's a a one-of-a-kind love. It's a boundless love. It's a kind of love that goes deeper and higher than any love man has ever known. Come on, Judy, get on the piano. Now let me give you the marvel of the gospel. There's so many things that I could focus on in this point, but there's only one that the Spirit of God led me to focus on in closing this message. It may not be the one that you would choose if you had a list of a hundred. It may never even fall on your list, but for me, it's the one the Holy Spirit said, I want you to I want you to mention. The marvel to me of the gospel, of the grace of God, of salvation by grace through faith, is the <laughs> fact that God Himself became a man in order to save me. Isn't that amazing? I I can't fathom this. Back in the garden, I thought what a beautiful testimony Hannah gave of what Judy did in that circle, Good News Club that day when she got in there. If y'all have never known Judy, she's got the gift of gab. She's blessed with it most of the time. (laughs) She knows I love her began to tell about Adam and Eve in the garden and took the message all the way to Calvary. You know what that is? She, she preached them the gospel. She told him the gospel. In the garden, friend, this is where this all went off track. God made Adam and Eve perfect, put them in a perfect place, gave them perfect liberty and said, there's only one thing I want you to do, don't eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. We all know the story Eve was, was deceived, took of it Adam ate it with his eyes wide open he wanted. He decided he'd rather die with Eve than live without her and there's a great spiritual message there don't have the time to even mention it. you know what they did when their eyes were open and they became guilty and filled with shame we're missing that in America the ability to feel shame you know what they did God was facing them I'll, I'll illustrate this way They were facing God, and when they they had sinned and God came to them, they turned their back on God, and they went away. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you. God sent His Son into this world through a virgin's womb, took upon Himself the form of a man, the fashion of a man, a form of a servant. He became man, just like man is. In fact, He was called the Son of Man. When, when you looked at him, he looked like any man. He looked like any Jew walking down the street of Jerusalem because he was a man. Pilate said, Behold the man. The apostles on a ship after he calmed a, a raging sea on the Sea of Galilee asked what manner of man this is. I could go on. He was a man. He was so much man. It was as if he were not God. He was so much God. It was as if he were not man. He was man in the fullest extent. While he was still God in the fullest extent. That marvels me. For the first time in eternity, God, who never had a body, who was corporal, spirit, took upon himself a body like mine and yours. So he could die for me and you and Isn't that amazing? To me, that's a marvel. And, and it goes beyond that. On the third appointed morning after Jesus died at Calvary, after that he was buried, on the third appointed morning, he came out from among the dead that evening after he had appeared to, uh, to uh, Mary Magdalene, to, uh, to Peter, to the two on the Emmaus Road. He showed up in, in the upper room where they had gathered behind locked doors. You know what he, you know what he told them? Be not afraid, it is I Brought that body with him Oh, it's different It's different after he got up Than when it went down The doors are locked He just showed up in the midst when he was walking with the two on the road to Emmaus, he was able to uh, blind their eyes or 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 veil himself from them being able to recognize who he was until he sat down at table, took up the bread, raised his robe up, and they saw the nail prints, and they said, "Did our not, not our heart burn within us?" That room that night, Jesus said, "Hey, you got any meat?" They said, yeah, we got a little fish. He said, give me something to eat. He took it and ate it. And he said, look, a spirit hath not flesh and bone. It was the same Jesus, except he was different. I don't have time to explain. See, that marvels. me. You say, "Why?" I'm not going to stop there, but I'm going to quit. Forty days later, after his resurrection, he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. I mean, I mean, he gathered together his apostles on a on a hill, maybe it was Mount, uh, Mount Olivet. The angels were there, they were witnessing this, and and, and while Jesus spoke to them, he ascended to the heavens. Took his seat at the right hand of the Father. And can I tell you what the Word of God says? That today we have a man in glory. Job, long time ago, cried and said, Oh, if only he had a daysman, maybe nine and thirty. A mediator, somebody to come between me and God, and can I tell you the only one who could have come between man and God was the one who became man. That was already God. A mediator has to know both parties. Jesus knew man; he knew God because he was both. Jesus is able to take hold of the hand of man, the hand of God, in a place called Calvary, bring them together. He'll do that for you today. He's coming back. That same man. The angel said in Acts 11 you men of Galilee, why stand here gazing into the heaven this same Jesus, this same Jesus that you see ascending and descend again in like manner? He's got a body. The Bible says that there is one mediator between men and God, the man, Jesus Christ. So today, why does the church preach the gospel? For these things and a whole lot more. But let me sum it up and simplify it for you that are lost. The only way you can be saved is hear that message of deliverance. The only way that you can get to heaven is by being saved by the grace of God. The only way that you can come to know Christ as your Savior is to repent of your sins and receive Him as such. And he died to make